Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Bless us, Lord, in these moments we have in your word with comfort of a picture that you gave through St. John. Put us in that spot that our hearts may be comforted and that we may find your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Each person takes this Sunday in a different way. They, they see a different thing. They hear a different thing. Each person kind of takes in grief and death and those things in a different way as well. There's some people that won't have anything to do with this morning. They received a letter, they, uh, we asked for a picture, and they said, you know what, that's just too much, it's too tough, we just aren't, aren't doing that. And that's their way, I, I get that. And then there's people who sit in church with a very heavy heart. And the tears come easy, and the breaths come slowly. And it's very, very difficult to kind of figure it out. The family here this morning, both for the baptism, celebrating new life and joy. What a marvelous focal point you guys give to, to, to church today. And to the families here from the Pargis and the Altistis and the Schmeckens and the on and on and on. It's a marvelous day to think about where we're at as a family of faith and a family of believers. It's a great day to think about who's come before us and who's coming after us. And take ourselves kind of out of the throne of the universe and let Jesus be there. And take a deep breath at a very busy time and find a measure of comfort, peace that comes through this marvelous word of Revelation chapter 7. I'd like to reread just a portion of this for you and and the word picture that St. John paints is so powerful. He writes, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and all the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not bear down on them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. One of the most difficult conversations we had in the history of my family, so my brother, my sister, my mother, and myself, was what to put on my father's gravestone. You only have so many words, you only have so much space, you don't have a, a, a ton of... To, to write a novel, you 
Short and pithy, short and sweet, etched in granite. It's going to last for a long time. It's going to be there for not just a season, but it's going to be there more than likely until Jesus comes back. So what would you say and what would that look like? Maybe you're one of those people who in their trust already has your epitaph already figured out. And you have strict orders, as many people do. This is what I want. I want this hymn and this scripture and this thing for my funeral. And then I want to go out to the cemetery. And then we're going to have coffee and donuts at church. And then on my gravestone, I want something. And those epitaphs are significant. Because when people go out with a heavy heart, they want to be reminded of the connection they had with you. And there's a deeper epitaph that goes on. It's the epitaph that is etched into those whom you love and into their hearts that they remember long after you've passed away. My dad loved me. She loved me dearly. Our life was beautiful. God blessed us with a powerful faith. What a tremendous friend. All of those pieces not etched in granite, but etched in the flesh and blood that is our hearts. So that when we think of that person, we see that picture, that then those, those words come to our mind. And they typically bring a sense of comfort and a sense of connection that's marvelous, that warms our heart and, and, and lets us know that while they may physically not be with us, yet they're memories we hold on to and we give thanks to God for. So in these next three weeks, as we consider epitaphs, be thinking about our legacy. What will your life mean? And what does your life mean? For some of us, there's course correction. There's, there's, there's things that we're saying, this is not necessarily where I want to go. Others will look and say, man, I'm right on track. And then lots of us in the middle, thinking about what our life means and what it will mean years from now. And so St. John gives us a marvelous picture in Revelation chapter 6. He doesn't have video. He doesn't have a hologram. He doesn't have some crazy thing that we can hit a link to. And then all of a sudden, here it is. He gives us a word picture. It's what he had. It's how the Spirit inspired him to speak words that, that drew this beautiful picture of heaven. And one of the words that he uses is a word, is a word in the Greek, skenuse. Skenuse. brings this picture to mind, picture of a tent, where in the words, say, the Lord says he will throw his tent around you. And under that tent that he spreads over you, he makes sure that there's protection for you, protection for your soul, protection for your life. People talk about the word tribulation here. And were I a different tradition and a different denomination talking about it, I'd say, well, it's this 10 years and this seven years and all this stuff. But Lutherans don't go there. That's not our thing. We don't talk about the great tribulation and dial it down to 10 years. 
I believe that from the time Jesus left to the time he returns, we are in the great tribulation. And I believe part of living in the trials, temptations, and tribulations of the world is dealing with the sense of feeling vulnerable. And the older we get, the the different and more intense those feelings may become. For some of us, there's a physical sense of vulnerability. We go to the doctor and we have a test, and the test says you have a cell that looks like this. And we say, I'm vulnerable to this. We have blood work done, and we look at the blood work, and they say, now you're insulin dependent. Some, like a dear friend of our congregation I went to see yesterday, 96 years old, feeling vulnerable because at 96 she fell going to visit her neighbor. She said, I've never really felt like this before. Pastor, I said, you're 96. You've never felt vulnerable before? She says, not like this. Life and death, death and life. And sometimes there's a spiritual vulnerability as well. Vulnerability that says I'm out there, that my sins and my life and my lifestyle is just wearing me down. Will I make it to the end of the race? And if I do, will I have anything left? The temptations and things that I've brought into my life, they seem to be metastasizing to my soul in a way that's so fast and so tremendous that I just can't jettison them with any regularity. I think part of the trial and tribulation of living in the world that we live in is that sometimes we feel very, very vulnerable. And that creates a sense of fear and anxiety about what life will be like. So the Lord throws his tent around us and provides us with his protection. He says, I have got you and I've got this. He said, I've been through life and death. He said, I've been through all the tribulations. He said, you want to talk about tribulation? Let me show you. People who hated me and people who wanted to kill me, people who ran me out of the temple, people who picked up stones. He said, and I've got you. I made it through those things and so will you. Follow my footsteps, follow my path. I will protect you. And I will bring you from sickness to health, from brokenness to healing, from chaos to order, from sin to forgiveness. When I throw my tent out and I bring my big tent around you, you are protected. And God's tent is where God lives with his people. The Hebrew translation of this word has to do with tabernacle. It has to do with God coming and living right in the midst of his people. And where God lives with his people, people will never be alone. After a person passes away, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. It's easy to be community because the needs are so hands-on. Bring a hot dish, buy this, take care of that, take the kids there, do what you got to do, help mom, help dad. It just, it gets really easy for a while and then it gets really hard. And when the grieving gets really hard is when the person who's lost the loved one feels so alone. The people in the crowds that were there six weeks earlier are now dispersed and they got to get back to their life and their work and their thing. And life in the home gets really, really quiet. 
Couples that used to run with other couples, they, they, they hang out, they do their party, they, they do their thing. And then the husband isn't there and he's the one who always initiates the conversation and connects into community. And so she falls away from that connection. But she's the one who makes the schedule and organizes the thing. And when he's gone, he shows up on Wednesday night at the restaurant all alone. Reminded of what life was when she was there and how she kept his days and hours and things ordered. And now it's so, so different. Where you are covered by the tent of the Almighty God, where, three, where He throws His tent over you, you will never be alone. For where he promises to be, there he is. Behind closed doors, he pops into the disciples. On a cross of Calvary, when everyone else is gone, there Jesus drew the whole world unto himself. When a lady was by the side of the road, there was Jesus. When people needed that community that he provided, he was there speaking words of grace and kindness, of inclusion and driving away a sense of isolation. Where the Lord throws out his tent, he will never leave you alone. I like this scripture because it, it talks about what God does. He will spread. He will spread. It's what he does. It's his tent. The first tent my parents ever had was an army surplus tent. And it smelled like wet canvas and cigarettes. And it was awful. I think I might still have some skin problems from that tent, but that's another story for another day. We had a tent in my family that, that got ripped and torn, and, 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 and with every rip and tear was a story of an adventure and a time to hang out and a time to do our, our thing. It's the Lord's tent. He made it. He brings it. He spreads it. He protects. He is with you. He earned that tent. He earned that tent on the cross of Calvary where the epitaph may have been, it is finished. And in the center of that tent, in the center of that throne, in the center of that picture of Revelation chapter 7 is the Lord Jesus who earned that spot, who earned that seat. He's the one who suffered and died on that cross, who went through suffering and death to be raised up gloriously, now sitting at the right hand of God. The lamb at the center of the throne. He's the one who protects. He's the one who is with you. He is the one who wipes away every tear from your eyes. So one day, one day, one day, the tribulations will end. One day, all the uncleanness will be gone from our hearts and our bodies. And we will be with the Lord. One day, one day, we will be with God both day and night, singing the Alleluia's of heaven. One day, we will be protected and comforted in the most perfect way that we can't even fathom here and now. One day. One day there'll be no hunger, 
no thirst, no sun, no scorching, oppressive heat. One day. And until that day comes, we live by faith in Jesus Christ, hoping for the best, our hope being founded in the one who's been down that path of death and resurrection for all of us. And living in community under the tent with love from God and love for one another. One, one day. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the freshness of Wyatt James. Thank you for the tears. Thank you for the memories. Thank you that as you created humanity, you put into us emotions that ebb and flow and feelings that sometimes are sharp and sometimes are peaceful. Bless us with your presence now. Let us breathe in the smell of the tent of the Lord Jesus. Let us tell the stories of life that had happened under that tent. And let us in the community of Christians find encouragement and peace. Thanks again for this morning, Lord, for an opportunity to celebrate as your people, to put those memories to work, and to look forward to the day, one day, when we will all be reunited. In Jesus' name.